rolling, Bob. Hello there, y'all. This is uh, Chris Gregory, and this is Bob Dylan, a head full of ideas, season two. Is it rolling, Bob? And um, today I'm going to read an extract from my book, which is called Determined to Stand the Reinvention of Bob Dylan. And this is Red River Shore. The book is um, an examination of Dylan's later work from Time Out of Mind onwards, uh, as well as the never ending tour. Um, one of the amazing things about Bob Dylan's career, of course, is the number of songs he didn't actually put on his original albums, which later got picked up on bootlegs or the official bootleg series and so on. There's no doubt that Red River Shore is another one of the most outstanding examples of this. Red River Shore was perhaps the major revelation among all the tracks released on Telltale Signs. An outtake from the Time Out of Mind sessions, it had been unheard since its recording some 11 years before. Two takes, which are almost identical lyrically, are presented. But although the song may be unfinished in terms of production, the sound effects that characterise Daniel Lanois' atmospheric techniques are absent. This is not like some of the other Time Out of Mind outtakes that appear on the collection a work in progress. It is a fully realised piece, one of the most enigmatic and moving of Dylan's later songs, and a truly visionary work which conveys intense sexual and spiritual yearning. The version on disc one may be just a run-through, beginning with sparse guitar accompaniment and building gradually with the addition of more drums, bass and a particularly atmospheric accordion played by Augie Mayers. But as with the early version of Mississippi, the essence of the song is captured most effectively in its first take. Dylan's singing here is breathily tender and restrained, reminiscent of the intimacy of the original New York sessions for Blood on the Tracks. The effect is beautifully matched to the tone of humility that underscores the unfolding narrative, tinged with a sense of aching regret. Though it is a kind of love song, its concerns are ultimately far more transcendent. In many ways, it is a classic piece of romanticism, which echoes the nature poems of Burns, Keats and Wordsworth. The girl in the song seems more elemental than real, a kind of spirit of nature who may be taken to symbolise the poetic imagination itself. Dylan uses an authentically mature voice here to create a kind of mystical reflection on the power that memory has on our lives as we grow older. There are two major red rivers in the US, one in the south between Texas and Oklahoma and one in the north that runs from Minnesota to North Dakota. The Red River, referred to in the 1949 Howard Hawks' John Wayne movie, is the southern one, while the other is near Dylan's home state of Minnesota. But there does not seem to be any attempt to use US geography in any metaphorical way here. The Red River seems to be an entirely symbolic location, with its name also suggesting blood flowing. 
Red rivers are referred to in several folk and country songs, such as Red River Valley, in which a young girl laments that the cowboy she loves will soon have to leave her. This dates from around 1870 and was first popularised in recorded form in Jules Verne Allen's 1929 version known as Cowboy Love Song. It has since been recorded by Jimmy Rogers, Roy Cuff, Gene Autry, Bill Haley, Woody Guthrie, the Sons of the Pioneers and many others. Another traditional song called Red River Shore was popularised by the Kingston Trio, who, despite their rather sanitised approach to folk music, Dylan cites in Chronicles as a key early influence. (laughs) This is a cowboy ballad in which the sharpshooting hero's love for the girl who lives on the shore is thwarted by her highly disapproving relatives. Although he kills 13 of them, their manpower eventually overwhelms him and he has to retreat. Dylan's narrator does not face these kind of problems, although he comes no closer to getting the girl. The song begins with a collocation of extraordinary imagery. Some of us turn off the lights and we live, in the moonlight shooting by. Some of us scare ourselves to death in the dark, to be where the angels fly. Dylan presents life as a choice between accepting the chaotic nature of existence and letting it overwhelm us. The implication seems to be that if we want to live blissfully, where the angels fly, and fulfil our inner longings, we need to accept the darkness which surrounds us and learn to accept the moonlight shooting by. This highly evocative phrase suggests that a life lived to its full personal and spiritual potential must include an awareness of the impermanence of everything. This is a song about choices, but it is not one in which the narrator necessarily makes the right choice. It is a treatise on infatuation and on entrapment, focused on the narrator's intense love for an unreachable object. He describes a life spent reaching out for someone who is less a real person than a poetic ideal, perhaps a muse, but one who has never had any real chance of getting close to. As this stately tune progresses, Dylan's subdued and poignant performance conveys his sense of ineffable regret in every breath. The narrator tells us that despite the pretty maids all in a row lined up outside my cabin door, he has not been distracted from pursuing his love. The use of pretty maids from the nursery rhyme Mary Mary quite contrary next to the reference to my cabin door creates an ugly archaic resonance. Pretty Maids All in a Row is also a song by the Eagles, lamenting the death of childhood illusions. My Cabin Door is a direct allusion to the celebrated 19th century American songwriter Stephen Foster's Hard Times. Dylan's sparing and suggestive use of such terms seems to locate the song somewhere in Foster's time, when the log cabin itself became a key symbol of the pioneer spirit. Abraham Lincoln was only one of the presidents who made much of their log cabin origins. Red River Shore is also somewhat reminiscent of the wistfully romantic but mournful tone of many of Foster's songs, such as Jeannie with the Light Brown Hair. Like the girl from the Red River Shore, Foster's Jeannie is a kind of lost dream lover who is born like a vapour on the sweet summer air. The lines... Now the nodding wildflowers may wither on the shore, while her gentle fingers will cull them no more, clearly suggests that poor Jeannie is dead. 
Dylan's language in this song hints at such an elegiac tone, though ultimately he buries even this assumption in mystery. Foster's longing for the dead girl is like that of Edgar Allan Poe in poems such as Lenore and Annabel Lee, a stylized approach which is characteristic of 19th century romanticism and its preoccupation with transcendent death. Despite his apparent immersion in this faraway world, Dylan constantly takes us back into everyday reality. His narrator is locked into the romantic illusion of love at first sight, experiencing a love so powerful that no other attachment can ever match it. I know when I first laid eyes on her, he laments, I could never be free. However, unlike Foster's genie, the girl seems to have no defining physical characteristics. Despite this, she has, it seems, something of an acid tongue. After all the narrator's wooing, she advises him rather bluntly to go home and lead a quiet life. Then we hear that his dream of her dried up a long time ago. He piles on the romantic disillusionment, telling us he's living under a cloak of misery, that he can't escape from her memory, and that the frozen smile upon my face fits me like a glove. The awkwardness of the metaphor is another one of the song's odd lyrical twists. Here he seems to suggest that he has willingly submitted to the state of paralysis that his memory has locked him into. The narrator tells us that he's trapped in the fires of time and living in the shadows of a fading past, but admits he never did know the score and has tried to stay out of a life of crime. He seems to be simultaneously far away from the shore and standing at its edge. I'm a stranger here in a strange land, he declares, but I know I've stayed here before, and remembers being here with the girl a thousand nights ago. He seems to be trapped in a romantic fantasy, in love with a memory which he is unwilling to let go of. But then the narrative takes some very unexpected turns. He tells us he went back to see the girl once to straighten it out, but that all the people he talked to had no memory of her. Increasingly it seems as if she may have been a figure in a dream. But there is still one more shadow from the past that the singer apparently has to exorcise. In the song's oddest twist of all, we are presented with what appears to be, at first anyway, a reference to Jesus. I've heard about a guy who lived a long time ago, a man full of sorrow and strife, that if someone around him died and was dead, he knew how to bring him on back to life. This may be an allusion to the prophecy of the coming Messiah in Isaiah 53.3. He is despised and rejected of men a man of sorrows and acquainted with grief, and we hid as it were our faces from him. He was despised and we esteemed him not. Yet this is not any kind of conventional religious revelation. The weirdly detached language in which it is presented to us, especially the phrase died and was dead, suggests that the guy being referred to is some kind of magician. The lines remain ominously mysterious. Does the singer want the guy to bring the girl back to life, or is he merely grasping at straws? The way the guy is introduced and then dismissed in no way indicates any leap of faith. All we are left with in the end is an enigma. Well, I don't know what kind of language he used, or if they do that kind of thing anymore. Sometimes I think nobody ever saw me at all. Set the girl from the Red River shore.
The girl, it seems, was a mere shimmerer, perhaps a product of the narrator's own imagination. But in these last few lines, the entire veracity of the narrative is challenged. Was any of it real? Was it just a dream? Can we really trust our memories? Can we bring them back to life? Singer has obviously been inspired by the girl. She seems to have always been his muse. Whenever he tries to conjure up, she slips through his fingers. A ghost of a memory. The implication seems to be that only by accepting the truth of the past can we be free from it. Then we can avoid scaring ourselves to death in the dark and live in the fullness of the present moment. What's that? I hope you enjoyed that. Um, you, if you look at my website, you'll see um, links to various versions of, of this song. Um, my website is called From the Pen of Chris Gregory, and you can find that at chrisgregory.org. That's C-H-R-I-S-G-R-E-G-O-R-Y dot org. There's lots of writing there about Bob Dylan and about a number of other subjects. And... Um, the book uh, can be obtained from there, Determined to Stand, The Reinvention of Bob Dylan. And if you're feeling uh, particularly uh, generous, you might want to buy me a coffee, um, which means you go to the website, buy me a coffee, and put in buy me a coffee forward slash Chris Gregoff, G-R-E-G-O-F, or possibly F-F, one of those two. And if you go there, you should be able to... Um, chuck me a price of a cup of coffee maybe two or three pounds or um, um, several million dollars if you like uh, whatever you like um, okay uh, see you next time bye is it rolling Bob